a listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. It's called Global Truths, this podcast that we do every week because we choose something that is going on in the world and then we bring a truth to it and break it down. This man does that, Dr. Keith Souter, an expert in international politics, a couple of PhDs, in a media commentator, worked for many years. My name's Kate Mack. We've worked together for a number of years as well. And Dr. Keith, talking about democracy today, because so many years the Western world has put it up on a pedestal as the way to morally exist is to give your population the choice of leadership, yep. the choice of governance, but you, you're actually questioning that today a little. Yeah, so we've just had a, a meeting of what's called the G7. So they are the seven richest Western governments. It's a process that's been around for over 40 years, almost 50 years. And they are seen as the the world's major democracies. And so this meeting that was held in London as preparatory to uh, the really big event involving the heads of government of the G7, plus invited other heads of government, but all from the sort of the western end of the political spectrum. One of the issues that's been looked at in London has been this idea of President Biden for a democracy summit. So during the election campaign last year, Joe Biden said that under Donald Trump, America had lost its moral position in terms of being the home of democracy, the land of the free. And so what he would want to do as president is to hold a summit for democracy in his first year. So his emphasis on the United States' democratic allies and partners was therefore a welcome change from Donald Trump's bromances with the autocrats. Trump got on very well with Putin, the Russian leader or the North Korean leader, but he didn't get on too well with the Europeans, for example. And, and of course, you know, Malcolm Turnbull, who was then Australian Prime Minister, had that appalling conversation with Donald Trump, who belittled him. They then later improved their relations. So Biden is saying, look, after this four years of nightmare, the Americans are back. We're going to be emphasising the importance of democracy, the Western way of life, and we're going to encourage other countries to follow the American example and become democracies. So that was Joe Biden. When I heard the stuff from Joe Biden initially, I was very impressed with what he had to say, this idea of having the summit for democracy to look at how we can encourage the spread of democracy around the world. However, I've just read two articles, one by a James Goldgeier, and Bruce Gentleson, uh, writers with the Brookings Institution, which is basically on, on the left of American politics. And Gentleson is at Duke University and had served in the US State Department under Obama and Clinton. So they're, they're both, you know, you'd expect them to be a bit on the left of politics. And their article is called A Democracy Summit is Not What the Doctor Ordered. America, Heal Thyself. And then the other article I read was by um, David Adler and Stephen Wertheim in The Guardian, which again is a left-wing British newspaper. Biden wants to convene an international summit for democracy. He shouldn't. So these two articles came out pretty close to each other. And I've got to say, it's changed my mind about supporting the summit for democracy. So, you know, I started the year as a supporter of Biden and I've now said, well, perhaps Biden is going wrong. On this. So that's what I thought I'd look at. Just look at, you know, why uh, we've, we're having problems with Biden's idea, which at first sight 
seen to be uh, such a great idea. So the summit for democracy assumes and reinforces the division of the earth between the nations of the free world and the rest. It revives a mental map that was first drawn by the people who made American foreign policy during World War II. So, for example, the vice president at that time, this was 1942, this is a fight between a slave world and a free world and that we should have a complete victory in this war of liberation. So this was the then vice president of the United States. The argument that's being advanced is that we no longer live in that world. The commanding crises of our century cannot be found in a conflict between countries. Instead, they are common amongst all of them. The American people will not be secured by any complete victory over external adversaries, but by a sustained commitment to improve life in the United States and cooperate as a partner across traditional boundaries of US diplomacy. So in other words, we need to, in the case of the United States, and this would to a certain extent also apply to us in Australia, these two are Adler and Wertheim, what they would like to see happen is instead of fixating on the symptoms of democratic discontent, these are the populists, the nationalists, and the demagogues. Instead of focusing on those people, the Biden administration should attack the disease which really triggered all of this. So that means political and economic reforms to make democratic government respond again to the popular will. So this means a new US foreign policy Self-government at home rules out tax havens abroad. In other words, making sure big corporations pay their own taxes. The United States should cooperate with countries around the world to root out ungoverned wealth and illicit finance. That's number one. Number two, the United States should make peace in the world rather than wage its endless wars. Two decades of interventions across the Middle East have not only discredited the image of democracy in whose name they were waged, they have also hobbled democracy within the United States. In other words, what they're doing is they've led to a greater police state in the United States, shutting down of people who've got alternative points of view, etc., and a ramping up of xenophobia, particularly by Trump, this fear of foreigners. And then thirdly, they say the United States should reinvent a system of international cooperation undivided by the democratic fault line that this summit would seek to impose. Climate change and pandemic disease demand collective action on the widest scale. So this was the recommendation then from these two scholars, uh, David Adler, Stephen Wertheim, writing in The Guardian, really expressing concern about whether Biden has got the right idea about having a... a summit for democracy. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. We're talking about the validity of a democracy summit. Keith, this is something you've been probably an advocate for for <laughs> many years, <laughs> slash your whole life, uh, and now you're questioning it. And now I'm questioning it, absolutely. So these are two articles that have come to light really only in the last few months, at a time now that... Biden is in office and people are already expressing concern about his talk about the summit for democracy, which is what's been discussed in London by the foreign ministers of the G7, the group of seven biggest 
Western countries. So it's the United States, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Great Britain, Japan. So the foreign ministers have all been there in preparation for the meeting of the heads of government. And then Joe Biden then wants to use that summit as a way of pushing for a summit for democracy. Another article I've been looking at is by James Goldgeier and Bruce Gentleson. Goldgeier is at the Brookings Institution and Gentleson used to work for the Obama and Clinton administrations. And these two writers also are saying a democracy summit is not what the doctor ordered. America should heal itself first. So what they've done is to approach the same proposal by Biden, but from a slightly different angle. So he says the first problem for the United States will be to work out who gets invited to a democracy summit and on what basis of what criteria. So most European Union and NATO members would probably fit a common definition of democracy, but not all of them. So should the Biden administration invite Hungary and Poland? In fact, the Hungarian leader boasts about his country being an illiberal democracy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about Turkey? That's in NATO. Are you going to say, well, we can't have Turkey because under, particularly under Erdogan, the current leader, it's become a much more authoritarian, dictatorial society, in which case then it embarrasses Turkey because you're inviting most NATO countries but not Turkey. That adds to the anxiety the Turks feel about how they get treated by the Westerners. So there is a very basic problem. Now, what is interesting is that this article was written before the January 6th insurrection against Congress. And you've got to say, really, for anybody watching that insurrection, you'd have to say, is the United States a democracy? When you look at these people. Crashing Capitol Hill. Yeah. The biggest assault on that building since the British tried to burn it down in 1812. Even in the American Civil War, the southern states couldn't get up close enough to Washington to set light to that building. So, you know, would America be allowed to attend this summit of democracy? That is, uh, you know, one of the problems which they have identified. And they refer to what are called dinos or dinos, democracies in name only. So how do you actually identify which countries you would have? Uh, So they go through some of the other countries, like (laughs) India, of course, we talk about being the world's largest democracy, and yet you've had some really bad attacks on Indian Muslims in recent years, particularly under the current BJP Mm -hmm. government. What about Asia? Indonesia has made democratic progress after the fall of the military regime in 1998, but now they have seen the first stagnation of democracy, perhaps even a regression. What about Brazil? President Jair Bolsonaro delights in being called the tropical Trump (laughs) with his behaviour. What are you going to do about the uh, Philippines? The president, Rodrigo Duterte, has authorised the wanton murder of more than 8,000 people. That's appalling. It is. If you go to the Middle East, the problem there is who do you select? Obviously, Israel is is very much a democracy, so much so it's a nation of 7 million prime ministers. Tunisia is the only Arab country that could be rated as being a free society. It's at the western end of the northern part of Africa and has always been traditionally very westernised. But you wouldn't want to have Saudi Arabia there, for example. That would never make the list. (laughs) (laughs) So you end up then offending the major Arab player 
or, or Egypt for that matter. And then if you look at Africa, South Africa would qualify to attend the summit, as would Botswana, Cape Verde, Ghana, Mauritius, and Namibia. But you've got other countries like Nigeria and Kenya, which you could not have there because they're not really democracies, but mm. they are the powerhouses. If you, if you look at uh, the African continent, you've got three basic powerhouses, South Africa at the bottom, and then up on the eastern side, you have Kenya, and then in the west, you have Nigeria. But you could only really invite one of those three powerhouses as representatives of the big players on the African continent. And so that's why they talk about democracies in name only, the Dinos. Another problem is the fact that countries are no longer so infatuated with the United States. So when the Americans began their campaign for democracy during World War II, America really was seen as the major player in preserving democracy. And yet now people have seen, well, we've seen how the Americans behaved. They're very different today than they were in World War II. In World War II, they were trying to wind up the old European empires. Now the Americans have created their own empire of a different type, but it's nonetheless there. So what gives the right to America to host the summit on democracy? What's so special about you guys? Look at your behaviour on January 6th. You can imagine, though, that Biden is thinking, well, this is such a differentiation between every other president and Trump. Mm. We just had quite an anomaly (laughs) (laughs) happen, and now we're back to normal. I just don't think that people now hold the Americans in such high regard. We've seen their behaviour in Abu Ghraib in Iraq. You know, for me, what is fascinating is that we've already forgotten those appalling photographs. But if you get onto the Arab media, they're still circulating. People are still offended by what happened in Abu Ghraib, even though the average Australian or average American would have forgotten all of that. It's still fresh in their memories. And, of course, thanks to social media, people are no longer just respectfully following the BBC or Voice of America, etc. There are so many other news outlets. So for me, it's fascinating that here I've got to say, you know, I was a great supporter of the idea when Biden mentioned it in his presidential campaigns last year. But now having read these articles and having had the opportunity of reflecting about it, you'd have to say that America peaked as a model for the world in 1991. So that was when the Soviet Union collapsed, the Cold War ended, and you get the liberation of Eastern Europe. And there was this tremendous flowering of interest in democracy. And yet, as these authors point out, three decades on from 1991, the country has impeached two presidents, that's Clinton and Trump, waged an ill-advised war in Iraq, unleashed a global financial crisis, mismanaged a pandemic, and struggles to Mm. address a vast domestic economic inequality and systemic racism. So it's all that Black Lives Matter. People see all of that stuff mm. and they're saying, why, why do we need the Americans? Why do you keep us? telling us what to do? <laughs> exactly. How dare you? <laughs> so I've got to say that, you know, this is an example where I do change my mind from time to time. And so candidate Joe Biden talking about the need to have a, a summit for democracy uh, as a way of emphasising the difference between a Biden administration and the Trump one, that struck me as being a great idea during the presidential campaign last year. But now, unfortunately, I've had chance to think about it and, and particularly inspired by these two articles, and I'm no longer such a big supporter. 
of a summit for democracy. America should heal itself first. Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Suter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.